Welcome everyone, it's Sam Mackay from Enterprise DNA and you're listening to the Analytic Mind podcast. Today I'm speaking with Greg Phelps. Now Greg is calling in from Canada and Greg is a big part of the Enterprise DNA community. He is also an Enterprise DNA expert, so has really found his home in all things to do with Enterprise DNA and Power BI. Now, the interesting thing about Greg and and the direction that he's coming at the field from is he is a one-man consultant. And I think that this will give us some, inter- or it does give us some interesting insights into how you can make a solid living out of your analytical expertise. You know, it doesn't need to just be within a large organization. You can go out on your own and you can sell your, uh, your skills and your abilities to you know, one customer or a range of customer. And I think Greg has a lot of good insights around how you can do that and how that would work in reality. Now, Greg at the current time is focused on some work, some engagements in the Canadian government. And obviously we don't go into any specifics, but you know, we just talk about some of the challenges and some of the pros of uh, engaging with government organizations or just engaging as engaging any customer as a as a consultant so a lot of good ideas here not only from a business perspective from you know monetizing your your skills but also just about the evolution of power bi and how it's evolving and how it's growing within any organization and greg has obviously some good insights around how power bi is being received in in government in the government areas okay so looking forward to getting into this one before we do there's many ways that you can listen to the content on the analytic mind podcast and this includes obviously your favorite podcast listening app the enterprise dna youtube channel we have the analytic mind youtube channel as well where you can listen to small snippets of this episode and many others we also have the podcast area on the enterprise dna website which is alongside our blog i think i think the new age term for it is plog by the way so we've got a plog now on the enterprise dna website so definitely check that out as well okay enough from me let's jump into this episode Welcome everyone to the Analytic Mind podcast by Enterprise DNA. This is a podcast which dives into a range of different ideas and tips to empowering a data-led culture within organizations. We want you to develop the analytic mind to create immense value for yourself and your teams. Welcome everyone to the Analytic Mind podcast. Another great episode here for you. Today I am talking with Greg Filtz. Now I've known Greg for a little while now um, as, as part of the Enterprise DNA community and Greg has been a big part of the experts group as well, creating some amazing submissions for the Power BI Challenge, offering superior support on the Enterprise DNA forum. So there's just so many unique things that we can dive into around Greg's background, I'm sure, uh, but also his knowledge of analytics and uh, Power BI. And so I'm really excited to get into this conversation today. So Greg, why don't you give us uh, a little bit of an intro about uh, about yourself so we can all get to know you, you know, and what you're doing a little bit better? Sure. Uh, very quickly, I guess I, I did my... Um my schooling in engineering. I worked in engineer for 10 years before slowly transitioning 
into the software industry, and I've been um, primarily focusing on business analytics and business intelligence for the last, um, well, so probably 12 years or so, and the last two years almost exclusively on Power BI. My work in the last 12 years pretty much has been for the Canadian government. I've probably worked for 10 different government departments in the last 12 years doing all kinds of Microsoft based business intelligence development, be it data warehouses or databases, uh, reporting solutions, Power BI solutions. And I've been trying to bring best of breed knowledge into the government. It's a bit of a challenge when you're a consultant in a government position, or sorry, in a government location, you often end up not being granted the opportunity to sit in when people are making the initial decisions. So a lot of times things move a little bit more slowly, but in any event, one of the advantages to being a consultant is bringing best of breed and in trying to bring government staff up to speed. So case in point, uh, the client that I'm with right now, uh, they're using the April, 2019 version of Power BI. And I just actually got an email today saying, well, we think we can get another one to you, but it's, May 2020. So they're still six months out, even on what they're thinking of possibly giving to me. In any event, one of the other challenges that government has is data sharing. The entire concept of the PBI service is foreign to them. They really want to keep all of their data inside their own walls and inside their own walls only. In Canada, every piece of data that's collected is stamped with a protection level, A, B, or C. I can't remember what they all are, but most of the stuff I deal with is protected B, which means it can't go outside the walls of the organization without going through committees and so on. So anyway, uh, long story short, having a gateway to connect a data source from the, the government to the Power BI service is a non-starter. Mm. So we're working through that. But I, I oh, see so that as probably one of the most difficult things for government right now is that they have to agree to let their data move outside of their walls, even though it is encrypted at rest and in transit on the Power BI service. There's many, many, many companies around the world that are doing it extremely successfully. But um, anyway, it's a thing. Yeah, there's, there's, th thanks for that, uh, Intricate. There's, there's, there's so much that we can get into there, which I'm quite excited about, especially around some of the challenges that uh, that you are facing, like you like, like you just mentioned. I think that those are more more common than you think, um, not not just at, uh, at at government. So it would be good to be able to dive into those scenarios and and maybe how you're looking to tackle them, or or if there has been any wins. So so definitely, I want to I want to jump into those um, during during our discussion. But before we do that, I just want to jump back and. And so you started off as an engineer and I want to understand how did you evolve, like how did things evolve into more the business intelligence side? Uh, and then how did you um, end up starting to focus primarily on Power BI? So how, how did that, uh, how did that journey happen? I want to, I want to just dig into that a little bit. Well, I guess to, to the, the start of it started with a company called ChangePoint that was providing professional services automation software package that ran on Lotus Notes, believe it or not. And it was actually very good. And that afforded me the opportunity to move from project management, project management consulting, into managing a software development team that was producing a version 
of ChangePoint for helping companies to transition from a Lotus Notes backend to a SQL Server backend. So that's kind of where I got my start with SQL Server back in 2000, I guess. But the switch over from project management consulting to managing a software development team was afforded me by that company. And that company was growing wildly. I was the 30th employee. And within five years I was there, they were up over 400 people. So they were growing explosively. But as life happens, things, things took a different turn. I ended up uh, moving away from the company before uh, I got my, my golden handshake. So I ended up uh, doing the work on a consulting basis that I had that I had been managing in the past. And that's kind of where I got my start with analytics was mm. I needed to pay the bills. So I, I did what I could, offered the services to who I could. And because of the experience that I had with databases and so on, kind of started with SQL Server and went out with everything from there. So I started doing uh, SQL Server integration packages, taught myself that. Started doing uh, data warehousing, taught myself that. Uh, started doing SQL Server reporting services, taught myself that. And that went on swimmingly until probably about three years ago when I was doing an assignment where I was producing a pretty complicated uh, SQL Server reporting services solution. And near the end of that contract, the client said, I wonder if we can use this new tool called Power BI to do exactly the same thing we were doing. So I basically had a good start, a good opportunity to, to dive in for about two months. All of the business rules already for the solution were together, which was great. All the data for the solution was together, which was great. And I got a chance to see how Power BI could be used to provide, in most cases, better, in some cases, not as good. Well, every solution is different. So the service, SQL Server reporting services has some strengths and weaknesses, and Power BI has some strengths and weaknesses. For example, it's, it's challenging to print stuff on paper from Power BI to get all the information, whereas SQL Server reporting services is designed kind of for that. And this was a big part of the solution. And anyway, that kind of got me started with Power BI. And then I moved from that client to other clients and Power BI became a larger part of my work until it became the only part of my work. So the last two contracts that I've had have been pure Power BI. You know, whatever small amount of database work is necessary to support it. But I've kind of, mm -hmm. I can do the database work, but I've pretty much been saying to people, you know, give me the data. And so on. I, I want to help impress upon them that probably getting their data together is probably 75% of their Power mm. BI project. Mm. Now, I would love to be doing Power BI all day, but doing Power BI all day with the government is a bit of a challenge because there's yeah. always hoops to go through with uh, the data, who has rights to see what, what can be released, uh, what's the protocol for it to be approved and so on. So, right. So yeah, oh, it's okay. basically um, all my own learning. And I was, during one of my contracts, I was ravenously eating up everything I could find online about Power BI. And it was probably about, uh, probably a little bit before this time last year, probably the beginning of December where I found Enterprise DNA. And mm -hmm. I just started mm -hmm. with doing everything that I possibly could. I got my membership on December 24th last year. So I'm almost at my anniversary. But, uh, <laughs> 
<laughs> That's correct. Once I found Enterprise DNA, I didn't go anywhere else. That's correct. That's correct. And then I was fortunate enough to be invited to join the expert group in June. And my uh, participation in three or four different forums and so on became uh, one forum with that. And I've been, been focusing solely on the Enterprise DNA forum and community yeah. since then. That's great. So yeah, I think it's uh, been a, a wild journey. I've really, really enjoyed it. And yeah. I'm really happy to be able to bring some of my engineering background into uh, looking at reporting solutions and really trying to get people to identify exactly what question they're trying to answer. So, uh, I mean, for example, you will have seen on, on uh, the submissions that I've had to the uh, Rise DNA challenges that there's not an awful lot of visualizations per page. So I'm really trying to think of exactly what question am I answering with each visual. And it's quite easy and quite fun to produce complicated graphics, but I keep trying to go back to, well, how will I answer the questions being asked? What is the question being asked? What is my top customer? What are my top three customers? Now, over this data period, I'm rather than show a huge level of detail, I'd rather just pick out one or two things. And using the, the smart narratives and so on has mm -hmm. become a huge thing for me. Stuff because again, I'm looking at that as the answer to a question. Okay, cool. Well, I just want to just touch upon your broad government experience. So, mm -hmm. as a consultant, and I, I think this is this is quite interesting because there's probably a lot of consultants tuning in. You're in, so you're you're all, you're ultimately an outsider with the groups that you're that you're working with. So, how do you and you you obviously would come to it with probably more you know, analytics and Power BI experience, obviously, because you're the subject matter expert. How do you go into an environment and advise or help on prioritizing the highest impact pieces of work or the highest impact initiatives? Is that, is that, is that something that you do or, and, and then if it is, how do you do it? If not, you know, what, what actually uh, is the process around how, how you engage in your work? Well, I'll start off by saying to an extent, and as I've said before, the, the consultant, and as you said as well, is a little bit of an outsider in many government projects. And a lot of the decisions have already been made on direction before the assignment is granted. So I have less impact on the direction of a project than I'd probably like. One of the things that I feel really strongly that I have a, um, a good, what's the word, that I can really bring to a project is the fact that you really need to, you can't have everything being a priority. Like people are always saying, this is a priority, this is a priority. And it's, well, if everything's a priority, then actually nothing's a priority. So you need to pick one. So how, one how, how do things. you think these uh, internal, so how do you, how do you get that message across? To, <laughs> to, it's to, very to, challenging. To those who you're working with. It's very challenging as a consultant and so on. It depends. I think if you're consulting to private organizations, they're really listening to what you're saying a lot more in government. There's a little bit of two classes. I guess there's the employees and then there's the contractors. And I've been in situations where the 
the feedback I get is don't bother suggesting something because we're going to go with what the employees say. Mm -hmm. So is, that's is, is, there, is there is there buy-in uh, within particularly the governments that uh, agencies that you have exposure to? Is there is there buy-in around uh, analytics initiatives around these uh, Power BI like Power BI or Tableau or or the, or, or the tools that are available? Is there is everyone jumping at the bit to you know to to get access to your high quality insights that can be generated? They certainly are. And there are a few uh, government departments here in, in Ottawa that are using Tableau and so on. But one of the strengths that it has, again, is that uh, at least when I was evaluating it two years ago, it was a completely on-premises offering. And so the data stayed within the bounds of the organization, which was good for them. There's a lot of interest in Power BI. Right now, uh, the contracts, I mean, since I kind of switched from general Microsoft BI to Power BI specific contracts, I'm getting people knocking down my door and my rates have gone way up. So there's lots of interest. I was actually, just before we got on today, I was dealing with somebody that wanted me to move to Toronto to do work for them on Power BI. So, I mean, it, it's, I mean, this is unsolicited. As well, these things just show up. I get one or two every day. Um, really it's going it. kind of nuts right now. So, but uh, there is an awful lot of interest, but things move very slowly with the mm -hmm. government. One of the challenges, of course, they're having is unfortunately with the pandemic, one of the things that's falling off the rails is initiatives to spend money mm -hmm. because money is having to be redirected by government. So, so I'm I'm not really confident things are going to move as fast uh, over the next year as perhaps they would have wanted to. For example, I uh, had a contract to start April 1st on my most recent engagement, and I didn't actually, I wasn't actually allowed in the building until May the 6th. And then I was, uh, was told I had to use their hardware, and I didn't get their hardware until I think May the 27th. So it was probably about two months almost after my contract was supposed to start before I could actually get going. Mm -hmm. um, and so what do you think is, what do you think is driving, what do you think is driving the big uptick in interest in, in, in the government space? Is, is it, is it just that everyone is set, like executives are, are or managers are, are seeing these fancy dashboards or, or are they, are they, you know, what, what are the, what are the triggers you think uh, that are occurring where interest just spikes? I'm kind of thinking it's the way that the government is communicating with the public. They want to be seen as having uh, very consumable uh, solutions for sharing data. So on having tables and tables of data, having Statistics Canada dump out databases full of tables is not really useful people but if you can produce some some high quality high impact graphics and so on that can be shared with the community i think that's a thing the reports that i've been doing probably in the last year have been similar to the challenge entries in that there's few visuals per page and they're big and they're colorful and they're clear and they're not really doing very very in-depth analysis they're presenting a lot of the information that the government already has, but in a compelling way. Um, 
Power, power BI specifically is 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 predominantly like you'd have to say is predominantly for internal use. And so government obviously has a different requirement where they probably have a lot of external stakeholders. So how how are you present? How is the data being presented through the use of Power BI generally? Like, is are you using like a Power BI embedded product, or are you are you using published to web, or you know how? How, how are you distributing the, how are you seeing governments distribute the information to key stakeholders? Uh, well, at the moment, I'm saying they're not. Okay. So, uh, however, that's going to change. One of the things that uh, Canada participates in, and I think a lot of other countries do as well, is they have, Canada has what's called an open data portal, where they actually have their data that's been sanitized and blessed and so on, it's walked around the firewall and it's put out for public consumption. So my take to them says, great, you've already made the data public, let's put a Power BI on top of that. You know, the data is already public, so who cares? Like, yeah, we can publish the web, why not? We're not doing anything to it other than, than the, uh, the data, it's already been done to the data that's right there, so why not? So I actually see that as being the way the government's gonna get around this. Mm -hmm. is that they're going to have to adhere to the programs that they have instituted already for sharing data and getting access, or sorry, providing Power BI visualizations for their data that's already in the public domain. I'm not seeing a lot of traction on opening up the government's data to the outside world, so I'm not really sure. That's going to happen, but I actually see that partners are going to be able to have a better Power BI experience than the employees of government. Now, one one other interesting thing when I when I look at uh, at government, I mean, you know, there's a world of opportunities, as I'm sure you're you, you're aware, right? You know, there's a lot of sort of le legacy things, I presume, that that have not been you know that, that have not been optimized, but. I wonder how, when you look, when you when a government sort of decides what to do, that they want to pursue more more analytics initiatives. How do they get? How do you get a cohesive plan or cohesive governance around such a wide scope of possibilities? Do you do you have any tips around what what you're seeing? Or, or, or have been involved in around how, you know, because the government in a lot of cases is probably, you, know, you can look at it as like the biggest organization in any country, you know, because right. it's, you know, so, so massive and so prevalent throughout all industries and et cetera. So how, how, how can people, how, how can you even think about these things? Like how can you even think about projects of such big scope and try and get some cohesive governance around it? I kind of think that you have to take baby steps. You have to start with small groups start with your champions find some people that are really interested in it and coach them through in very simple solution like going to them and saying what is your biggest problem what what do you have to do every month that you hate doing because it takes up too much of your time let's figure out a way to get power bi to do that for you and you can get quick wins for some people and all of a sudden they start championing championing and they're going, look, I've saved so much time using this. We should roll this out to all our analysts. And then it goes out from there. So having the internal people to drive it. I mean, one of the things that's challenging as a consultant, it's hard for me to push a piece of software or to use a piece of software. However, if I can get somebody else who's an employee very excited about using it, 
and showing them how much they can benefit from it, then things move quite quickly. Yeah, I think that's a good insight. That, and that's just not government related. That's just any consulting a client relationship, right? It is to an extent, probably colored even more by the experience that having in government. It, it, it seems that projects move forward more with, with the speed that the employees impart to it. So you can have, I've worked in both private and public spaces. And private space certainly moves a lot faster and decisions can be made based on merit. In government, sometimes decision, even though it has merit, uh, can't be made for whatever reason. It needs to go, it needs to take a bit longer or it needs to, to, or it can't be made by this group or whatever, or there's a policy. For example, in Canada, we have a uh, treasury board that oversees all of the government departments and they have standards that have to be adhered to. So I would actually hope that I haven't had the opportunity to work for them in the last six or seven years. I'm hoping that they'll actually be leading a government initiative on Power BI soon because everybody will be able to follow quite quickly with them. I'm with Immigration, Refugees and Citizenship Canada right now, and they are one of the first departments to really start hiring people just to do Power BI. So I see that as moving forward. It's moving forward very slowly. From my point of view, I see, for example, the Power BI service would be wonderful for them, but they can't. They Their requirements are such that they can't share their data at this point. So it's, it's a thing. But at the same time, you just need to do what you can and have the best impact you can with the people that are available to you. One of the things that I'm hoping to do is use my position here to lead demonstrations for other government departments. And the group that I'm in will hopefully be a leader that will be able to entice other departments to move into Power BI and to be a resource for them or sort of a, cent- a distributed center of excellence, if you will. But I don't have a whole lot of insight into how that might come to pass. I know there's an awful lot of rules about who can talk to who in the government. So uh, all we can do is is wait and see on that. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's a bit of a pipe dream of mine at the moment, but we'll see what happens. Uh, I'm optimistic. There's certainly a lot of interest in analytics. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's great. I mean, it just, shows, it just highlights the, you know, the, the employment opportunities around analytics. So diverse. I mean, if you can bring... Uh, some expertise in a, in a certain area and then add some analytics flavor to it, you know, you can, you can add some serious value. And, and I get, I get a similar vibe from, you know, most, most of the guests that, that, that I talk to now, Greg, I want to, I want to divert just, just a little bit and, and talk more to yourself. You know, I want to talk more about your philosophy around developing analytical solutions. Now I know you've, you, you, you primarily use Power BI, but it could be, you know, we're, we're just talking in, in sort of more general terms. Like, how do you go about building solutions that are going to make an impact? And, you know, obviously, I've seen a lot of your submissions uh, in the Power BI challenges that we run at Enterprise DNA, and you, and you have a unique style. Um, so I really want to dive into that and, and just sort of talk through it a little bit more. So if you could maybe just just run through you know how you approach things and a bit more about your philosophy i think that would be great sure one of the things i guess that's the the biggest driver for me is that i'm not writing for the computer and i'm not writing for myself right now i'm writing for myself in six months or i'm writing for whoever's going to be extending my work 
in six months. Mm-hmm. Con- continuity. Continuity is a word that sort of springs to mind. Yeah, it's that. the fact, I mean, the, in the best case scenario, you design something that works extremely well and you can issue it and publish it and it works. But chances are in six months, somebody's going to come back and have a tweak to it. So mm-hmm. either you or somebody else is going to have to be able to dive into your solution, to read it, to understand it, and be able to modify it without breaking anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's kind of the focus that I take. One of the things that I found at Enterprise DNA and the way that you would present it, uh, all of your teachings was the focus on a very clear model very good naming and so on all these things i see is extremely important they give people a a common way of coming into a new project and they can look and they can see okay i know that all the tables that i'm interested in for my stuff is underneath data model my measures are all in the measures group so i can go in and i can i know that uh, everything's going to be named properly everything that's named with a with a key in there is meant to be joined to another table and so on. If it's got, if it says ID or code or whatever, then it's something else. But if it says key, I know I can use it to join to another table. And I take great effort to make sure that all the keys are named the same, not so that Power BI can use them, which it can, but so that somebody can look at it. They can say, oh, municipality key in this table goes to municipality key in that table. So that's an obvious thing. They don't have to, to dive in to try and see is this really the right length? So I guess uh, the model clarity and naming clarity, those are really important to me. I'm trying to remember now, I think it was challenge number nine. I ended up spending far, far, far more on that aspect of my development. And I was really under the gun by the time I got to the end where it's time to do the visualization. So I only got, I don't know, maybe 10 or 20% of the way of the way through the visualizations part that I wanted to. I had to get the model right for my own edification first. Well, I, I like that. I like that. So you, 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 and, and this is, this is, incredibly relevant for any consulting slash client engagement, right? Because you've got to set your reports and, and, and solutions up in a way, in a best practice way, where someone can take your work and scale it or iterate on it in, in, in the future. And so I think that is a, a good lesson. But like, honestly, it does, it's, it's, it's just... It, it, it's not just that it's, 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 it's everyone, like, because, you know, even if you're an employee within an organization, you know, others might use your work in the future and you might leave yes. and go somewhere else. And so having that continuity is, and, and like, I have known, you know, I, I certainly have highlighted this many times in the past uh, myself, because I know how crucial it is. And so it's, it's, it's great to hear you, you know, second that with your, with your philosophy around it. One of my favorite stories, um, let's go back for a little bit. When I was a development manager with ChangePoint, I had, I think, five developers working with me, and they were split into two groups. The group had to maintain the current project. One group, sorry, had to maintain the current project, and the other group was developing the next version of it. Everybody wanted to do the next version of it. And this is where I used to say to people, make sure your code is easy to read. If not, you own it and you're going to be maintaining it forever and so on. If you want to work on the new stuff, make sure your stuff is really, really easy to read so on mm-hmm. so somebody else can come in and pick it up. Yeah, that, that kind of stuck you. with me. Mm-hmm. Uh, it kind of developed organically, I guess, with my group, but it kind of stuck with me and I've always tried to offer 
that to the clients that I've been interacting with that I always make sure that everything is very easy to read. I'm less interested in optimization and performance. I'm always going to go on the side of readability unless there's a glaring reason not to. And what is, what is your, how do you approach telling a story around your solutions as well? Because whenever I've looked at things you've produced, it's, it, the key insights always really jump out at me. And, and, and it's easy to understand what the main takeaways are. And so I think you have some unique ideas around that. And so I'd like to just dive, just, just, just go into that for, for a moment. Sure. We've spoken a little earlier about trying to answer specific questions. I really try to focus on a small number of questions that can be answered on each page of a report. And it's kind of the number of pages on a report are going to depend on the questions that are going to be answered. I would try probably, if I had to throw a dart, I'd say no more than five questions per page. Mm -hmm. And if it's possible, break things down into groups that are easily understandable. I know that the uh, the old uh, the pie chart or the donut chart gets a lot of grief from some people, but I actually think it's really, really useful. Pie chart or a donut chart gives somebody at a glance a really easy comparison between two or three or four categories. And that's what they're going to be making their decision on. So I, th- I actually think it's really relevant for decision makers. It's not exciting from a reporting point of view. It doesn't scratch the surface of what Power BI can do. But I think ultimately, if you're starting to look at it as from the point of view of the the ultimate design user of your report, probably is imparting the information that you want really quickly. I certainly and get the vibe that you're you're you've got to keep it simple approach. Yeah, very much, very much. And I think it was in uh, I think it was in Challenge Eight. We had I think five different priority levels. I produced groupings just to put them into three. I think we had 11 different status levels. I put them into groups so that we could see three. So you could see low, medium, high for each one or P1, P2, P3. That's it. And not go any deeper than that because I was trying to focus on thinking as an, as an executive using this report, what am I interested in? I want to know what my high priority tasks are. I don't care if there's 19 levels. But I only want to know the top the top one. That's kind of, I guess, extending the simple approach as much as you can and taking that to the extent as well. One of the things that I'm doing all the time now is I'm stamping a version number and a version date and a report ID on every report just so that when questions come up and somebody said, oh, you know, that donut chart and that report, it's not right. So what, what's the report ID? What version are you using? And so on. Maybe they're looking at something that's it's uh, two months old. It's been totally redone. But, you know, if, uh, especially in government, uh, you can get files flying around from one person to the next and so on. They're not embracing the service yet, in my experience. So we can't always be sure exactly which version somebody is actually looking at. So my takeaway is just throw the, the version number in the report ID on everyone on every page. And that way you can always ask them. They send me a screenshot, the whole thing, and show me where the error is. And you get the screenshot and it's an old version. You say, yeah, well, use the new version and see if it's still an issue. Yeah, I like I like some of your approaches there. I also like how, you know, I do like the keep it simple approach right, that, that, that you utilize. And also I think what is a nice framework for others uh, if they are looking to develop their 
analytical capabilities is start off by working out what questions your stakeholders want answered. Like just think of, try and try and maybe list down the top three to five questions that, that your stakeholders will want to see. And that will drive, I think, the analysis that you do, but also the creative design that you implement in your report. So to me, I, I, I think that's a, is a, a simple and effective framework that's, uh, that you've just talked us through. So, so I think that there's a lot of, lot, lot of impact that can be made in, 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 you know, by, by applying that. Yeah, I think back to uh, trying to remember now, I guess it was about 2011 or so on. I was consulting with Export Development Canada and we had a big project that was going on and people were trying to itemize everything that could ever be wanted from the solution. And then uh, the mobile revolution happened and all of a sudden in a year, everybody was interacting with things on phones Mm -hmm. instead of on computers. So a lot of the work that had gone into trying to, to prioritize things went right out the window. So I kind of took that experience and said, well, there's no point in me crystal, guy, crystal ball gazing about what might be needed two years down the road. Chances are the business environment is going to change anyway. So I'll do what, as you said, is I'll concentrate on three or four things. We'll do that. We'll get the minimum viable product out. Start using it, and people will make adjustments as they go. They'll say, you know what, we need to be red instead of blue. We need to be green now because the business has changed or whatever. Terrific. That's wonderful. But there's no reason for me to expect somebody's got their crystal ball. They could get all of those requirements right on day one. Mm-hmm. So the same way they can't expect me to develop everything perfectly, I can't expect them to be able to iterate, to enunciate every question perfectly. So it's mm-hmm. all like using guardrails. You're moving in the right direction, but you bounce off one side of the one, one guardrail, you bounce off and, and go on to the other guardrail and you bounce off, but you're still headed in the right direction. That's great. Now, I, I, I want to finish off with a couple of broader, broader questions just to get your perspective on it. What are some other unique things that you about working with Power BI or working in, anal, in the analytics space within government that we haven't really touched upon? Uh, so much already. I, I think the, the the data challenge we were speaking of is going to be a big thing. There is certainly a an appetite in the not an appetite in the government. There is a requirement in the government at this point that data be released on some sort of a schedule, be it monthly or quarterly or annually or whatever. The use of analytics for real time information with the government or daily information with the government, I don't think is going to be a thing. I see uh, monthly data drops happening outside the firewall and then analytics being built on top of those for various partners for the public to consume um, at their leisure. So I don't see that doing incremental refresh is going to be a thing at all. I don't see having the most up-to-date report being a thing at all. I see them doing like a once-a-month publishing, once-a-month publishing of, of reports. And that's it, which kind of defeats the purpose of analytics, but it is what it is. Um, I'm hoping as well there's a parallel effort inside the government where they can be using the analytics tools to see the day-to-day information and they can figure out better ways of doing their their business Mm. or figure out better ways they'd like to be able to present uh, the information to uh, the public. So I see kind of two tacks, I guess, and I'm not sure. Uh, I think that the 
The public one is probably the most interesting. So I think it's going to, to vastly improve public's opinion of what government can do for them. I mean, the data is out there, but uh, peop- there's only a handful of people that are going to spend the time to consume an entire data set and dive into developing insights from it. And they're probably coming in with a pretty specific purpose, mm-hmm. uh, whereas the people in government probably have a better idea of what they'd like to be sharing and they can produce graphics that people are, don't even realize that they really, really want. But as soon as they see them, they go, that's exactly what I want. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, there's some, yeah. some good some good takeaways there. Final question for you, Greg. What are you most excited about in the analytics space you know, in the near future? And also maybe you know, what you're excited about with Power BI, where, how, where Power BI is evolving to? Well, the thing that excites me the most is also something that I don't think is going to happen at all, and that's <laughs> certified and promoted uh, endorsed data sets, the reusing of endorsed data sets. I see it a huge thing. Like I, I'm spending probably three quarters of my time involved in helping enunciate exactly what data to use, trying to get people to enunciate exactly the business rules that are being used to transform data. And that effort isn't being as widely used as I would hope. So kind of in, in my ultimate scenario for the government, I would see them using the Power BI service. I would see them promoting and certifying data sets and saying, this is the gold data set for ABC. And then letting the analysts that are in the government go wild with using those certified data sets produce is, is that a general they, trend is this is, is, is this certified data sets is that is that like a general analytics trend like that say like a corporate could use or a private private organization could could utilize absolutely i i totally think so uh, i i think everybody should be doing it i've heard so many different acronyms or descriptions or whatever but a single source source of truth probably is the thing that Mm -hmm. sums it up the best Mm -hmm. single source means there is only one source and this is the truth and everything else is not the truth Mm -hmm. yeah i think i think a good term for this is just is 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 optimizing your data pipelines is absolutely um, like that, that this is becoming more of a thing than it ever has before you know because these these tools uh are going to be so much more widely used and access to data is going to exponentially increase the, the requirements to access data, making sure that you have really solid data pipelines in place to, to, to manage all that access and to make sure that the, the data is optimized and is the, is, is the right version is, is critically important. It is. It is very much so. All that being said, there is, I guess, uh, many of the government departments, they're familiar with and used to Excel pivot tables or just tables of data where they can see incredibly detailed numbers. And I'm trying to push to them that when you're using the same data in a Power BI report, you you don't really need to see the actual number. If some number is is 117,922, you know, I'd like to see 117K on my report. And that's good enough for me to make a decision on. So I don't care whether the number's off by one or two. Really doesn't matter. I'm I'm not planning to export that data from Power BI report. But what I am interested in is that the numbers and the relations are all right, such that you can make decisions on that data. And I think that's a real challenge 
for government right now. They're very much used to saying, well, numbers have to be exactly right. In fact, I just went through an effort uh, earlier today where I had eight different, I'm trying to reproduce a data warehouse, a multi-dimensional data warehouse right now in a Power BI report. And my numbers are off by less than, most of the time they're exactly right. Sometimes they're off by 0.05%. And I think that's probably just due to the way that Power BI does its summarizations versus how the multi-dimensional data warehouse does its calculations. So I don't mm-hmm. see it as being something that really needs to be evaluated. I don't mm-hmm. see it as something that needs to be perfect. Uh, the decision you're going to be making, the visualization you're going to be looking at, is going to be the same anyway. So I see that as a challenge for government. I think people have to, to set aside a little bit, say the data must be exact. The data needs mm-hmm. to be very good. It doesn't need to be exact. Interesting. Interesting. Okay. And final thoughts on Power BI. Where, what are you what are you excited about with you know, the Microsoft ecosystem? Well, one of the things that I'm still having a little bit of a challenge with is a published web and the fact that it's quite easy to make something public, but you have to make all your data public at the same time. I have no idea what the right solution is. I have no idea how Microsoft would do this, but mm-hmm. I can only imagine that it would be a massive, massive win to be able to have data encrypted in such a way that nobody can see it except through the Power BI report that you want. So uh, I don't, I haven't seen anything or heard anything that leads me to believe that might happen at some point, but I see that as being a huge win because everybody's got a browser, everybody could consume these reports and Mm. so on. It it wouldn't matter. But for example, right now, I see the government is never going to use published web, never going to use it because they're too afraid their data is going to be seen by somebody, even though we know it's encrypted and we can tell them up, down, left, right, that it's encrypted all the time. Uh, They don't have to worry about it, but still they'll say, yeah, well, it's outside our walls. It's not protected. Yeah, I I think that's a good thought to end on. And I'll just maybe add my thoughts to it before we round off is Microsoft, you know, as I think we both agree, have done a pretty incredible job with the Power BI suite in general and particularly for internal use. But where they haven't quite nailed it is this external use. They've they've stuffed around with this Power BI embedded product, product which is just, I don't even know what what it is really now. They've just, they've, they've bastardized it so much, changed the pricing plan so many times. It's, uh, it's, 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 it's pretty useless. But then they're also caught between that and the published web and so they 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 are using the published web as a as a way to really promote power bi build buzz around power bi in a really inexpensive way or basically a free way but then they don't have a way to productize the ability to share reports securely to external stakeholders or external parties and i think they they're missing they're missing something there and, and I think they're missing uh, an opportunity which is so enormous, like you, you can't even think about how big, how, like you can't even imagine how big it is. Because if you, if you just think of, as, of Power BI as an analytical engine, I believe it is an incredible just analytical machine. And why couldn't you use, could anyone use Power BI as an analytical machine, but then surface those insights in many different ways? Uh, it could be through implementing the Q&A on their website. It could be bringing up a few visualizations on uh, on a web portal. Could be creating a, a sign-on 
application where you sell your analytics to a client client base you know but but power bi at its core is the analytical machine the analytical engine which is driving that and so to me the opportunities are just like endless when you think of it like that and microsoft haven't quite nailed the price that like the pricing plan or the the pricing mechanism for them to extract the value out of it just yet but i think that that could be something that will happen in the future we'll just have to wait and see absolutely i can add on a little bit to that uh, one of the recent contracts i had someone was asking for people with 10 years of power bi or experience and i'm saying well power bi has only actually been around for five years so you're not going to find anybody so but that's kind of a thing you know that's yeah. some of the mindset that comes with it so i if they can manage to figure it a way to to make these tools easy for the public to use i think it's going to be a huge win yeah for them and, and just and just also ways to i think monetize monetize the the analytics that can be done you know because there's you know, there's no reason why an individual like yourself couldn't, you know, shouldn't, could, could create, you know, some sort of product, some analytics product, and then be able to sell that in a secure way. Microsoft can take their cut. An individual can take their cut. Like, I, I think there's, there's just this world of opportunity. I know, I know that others, other analytics tools are, are, are sort of more targeting that side of things. But to me, Microsoft has a superior analytics engine in Power BI and DAX formula language and the, the the query the query editor and the the report designs the 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 flexibility you have around the immense you know creative designs you can build into your reports and so I'm hoping that uh, in in the future they are able to figure out a way where they're happy with the value extraction but also they provide the the tools yes. and the capabilities to for for others to to monetize their their work as well. I think it would be a huge win. Referencing the conversation that you had uh, last week or the week before with Jared Moore around the solution that, that they ended up needing to to produce to be able to share their information with a variety of customers. Yeah, um, exactly. That's just one example of what you're saying. If there yeah, was well, that's, model. that's an interesting example. Yeah, because like Microsoft are making no money out of that, right? They're, they're, right. they're, they're not actually getting any value out of that when they should be. They, sh they, they, they should be able to extract the value out of that distribution of of the report if they but they but they obviously need to build some product around that that is easier than what the they have with this embedded stuff that they're that they're trying to push which is just just a non-starter yeah i really don't know uh how they administer uh, ideas.powerbi.com i know they're very interested in having ideas voted up and I'm wondering if perhaps they're driven a little bit by the votes that various ideas are getting to help them mm. put together their roadmap or whether they really are using their own roadmap and cherry picking ideas that they happen to see on ideaspowerbi.com that mm. they can incorporate into their roadmap. So I really don't know. And I think they've done a phenomenal job. I'm not ready to to criticize them at all i am a, a huge fan of the work that they've done i as you are describing i see many opportunities for extension but at the end of the day you know there's only so many people and there's only so much work you can do and i'm trying to remember back when i was first developing software the trying to decide which priority was the ultimate priority was a big thing 
And so that's where we came up with saying, if everything's a priority, then nothing's a priority. You really have to sit down and sit down people and, and someone says, you got to do this. And you say, great, which one of these other five things that I'm currently doing do you not want me to do? And they come back mm -hmm. and say, well, you have to do all of them. And they say, well, I can't. I'm only one person. You've got to pick one. One do I not do? Mm -hmm. And that kind of gets people to prioritize things. So perhaps, you know, something like that will will come up when the report sharing priority becomes more of a priority. Okay, great. I think I think we'll round off there, Greg. It's been been a super conversation. I really loved uh, hearing your insights and perspectives on a number of different things. So yeah, really appreciate your time um, today on on, on well, the. Thank podcast. you so much for for the opportunity, Sam. I appreciate cool. it. And th and thanks also for being uh, being a big part of the uh, enterprise DNA community as well. You know, you're add adding so much value to 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 everyone and, and many things that you're doing. So you know, really re really great to have you as part of our network. Well, I found my my happy place when I found your when I found your site a little over a year ago. So mm -hmm. I have a, I have not strayed since. I'm finding everything that I could not, I could want there. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's brilliant! So that's I, brilliant. I appreciate the opportunity to to be able to contribute to the community. Brilliant. Okay, well let's let's round this off. Thanks everyone for tuning in. Another another great episode of the Analytic Mind podcast. Please, please subscribe on your favorite listening app. A podcast listening app and, and also uh, don't forget to leave us some feedback if you have the time we we always read it and we're always looking to improve uh, what we're doing so you know look forward to uh, hearing from you in due course okay take care everyone have a good one Thanks for tuning in everyone. It's great to be connected and I hope you are enjoying the content we're creating through the Analytic Mind podcast. If you enjoyed this session, make sure to subscribe to the podcast to get notified of each episode as we release them. If you want to learn more about Enterprise DNA and the many initiatives we're working on, check out www.enterprisedna.co. There we have a range of resources to download events to attend, and information to explore. We're leading the charge around this new paradigm we're living in, where tools like Power BI can literally change how an organization manages, analyzes, and distributes insights that can make an impact. It's an exciting moment in the analytics space. So glad that you're on this journey with us. Take care.